And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on? It's part 10 of 10. No, part 10 of 52, excuse me. It's hard. It's hard to believe we've made it. We've made it ten. Like our plan to do fifty-two is on track. We are doing it. Yeah, and I know. And and the plan has actually stayed on track. What are we talking about? If you haven't been listening, Matt and I, meaning Matt Watson and Matt DeCourcy, are at Startup Hustle doing a fifty-two part series about how to start a tech company. Much like many companies, this series is still in its infancy, and we have made it through the planning phase. But today we're going to talk about why your plan is wrong. It's fair to say. I mean, it's definitely not correct. The plan is never correct. Yeah. And we, we just talked about some business planning tips. But I want, we're going to delve a little further in to try to help you avoid some issues and errors that are associated with your planning in general. Before we do that, quick reminder that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. We can help you keep your plan and budget, or at least mostly. And that is not okay. wrong. That's all right. True, 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 true. All right. So a couple things here, Matt, you know, as we get moving, you know, we talked about business planning tips and some of this, you know, we don't have to have, this doesn't have to be a, a total rehash or recap, but, you know, I think overall that we, we've talked about this so many times that the plan is wrong. And not only should you accept that your investors and other people that are looking at your company, everyone knows the plan is wrong. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have a plan. It just means that you need to know that it's not going to be spot on. So how do you change lanes, pivot, adjust, do any of that? I mean, what what would you like to say to everyone before we dive in? I feel like we have to start this episode with my favorite quote from Mike Tyson. <laughs> Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. True. And as an entrepreneur, you get punched in the face every week or every day by something. So, yeah, couldn't agree more. And I mean, that's just the way it goes. So with that plan and getting punched in the face, that means you need to be prepared to react. And, you know, I think when it comes, you know, there's a few things that, you know, why, why, why you should expect your plan to be wrong. Well, because no one can see the future. You know, my crystal ball has been broken for years. And um, you get, you get, there's some things that you can kind of know in advance, but it's just the un, undetermined, you know, the, the unpredictable, like a global pandemic or just general shit involving people. 
overall. So, I mean, but really, I think that the, at the top level, it's you just don't know what you don't know. That is one of my favorite sayings of all time. And it's like my kids, my son's 11. He doesn't know what he doesn't know, right? And as an entrepreneur starting out or a business person starting out, if you've never owned a business before or never started a business before, you just don't know what you don't know. And the, the list is long. And in reality, there's a lot of things that none of us will ever know. <laughs> but um, it's even more dangerous when you're starting a business. I couldn't agree more. So, you know, and, and in regards to planning, I mean, it's really only beneficial when things actually work out the way that they're planned. Other than that, it's just kind of a, it's a dry run for what you might do and how you might handle it. And I mean, you legitimately can't possibly plan for every possibility and attempting to do so is a waste of time. We kind of went through that in the last episode and, you know, good old Murphy of Murphy's law, um, pretty much states that anything, if anything can go, can go wrong, it probably will. And it'll usually occur at the worst possible time. Um, I have at my age and experience, I haven't, I have a, a appreciation for the wisdom that Murphy's laws often provide. Well, and if you're doing anything software related, that's pretty much a day-to-day -day thing. Like Shit always breaks for no reason and doesn't work for no reason. And yeah, that's just normal course of business. So it's usually something dumb, like a semicolon somewhere that somehow manages to bring down your whole entire website and operation, but that's a whole nother thing. So, all right. So, you know, when it comes to preparing for the errors and the things that occur, you know, there's some things you can do to best position your business and the plan. And like I said, the, the planning phase wasn't worthless, but when you're planning, you should be talking about contingencies and different outcomes. And if this occurs, we do this and maybe do this, and maybe do that. So you've thought about it ahead of time. But I mean, as we mentioned, you know, the things that are important is to build a clear vision for the business, you know, right? I mean, that's the benefit of the plan, right? Is to have a vision for how it scales and what we can do, what we can accomplish, who we need to hire, why we need to hire them. You know, how do we scale the business? You just have to be prepared to make adjustments. But, but vision at the eye doctor, when you're reading the eye chart and vision for your business are two different things. One's yeah. tangible and writes in front of you. The other is just kind of like, I mean, honestly, it, because it hasn't happened yet, it's still a fantasy in many regards. And you know, there's so many things that, you know, now there's certain tools like, you know, have SWAT and, uh, you know, come visit the, the Startup Hustle YouTube channel. I did a whole video on SWAT and how to create one. And, you know, overall, I mean, you, hopefully you've set realistic goals because if you haven't, then your plan's even more off than, than it could have been. And I think the next thing is like timeframes. You know, I think that's where most of the planning fails. Um, I mean, what are a couple other top level ones? And then we've got a whole list of some of the common errors that we hope to help you avoid. Well, for sure, you talk about timeframes is you pretty much have to bet everything's going to take twice as long as you think and cost like three times more than you think. That's, that's for sure. Um, and partly you can thank Murphy's Law for that. True. True. So, you know, overall, hopefully the plan that you created after listening to the last episode, because you hurried up and got it done. So you'd be prepared to know why most of it was wrong for this episode. 
uh, it, hopefully it's logical, rational, and conservative. You know, as much of a of a riverboat gambler as I can be on some days as an entrepreneur, and we all are because you're pushing your chips out. At the same time, there's you need to keep some dry powder off to the side, and you need to be able to to maneuver and make changes and uh, periodically review the plan. So, so my plan looks like hockey stick growth. Is that considered mm -hmm. logical, rational, and conservative? My my plan just looks like a wall because it just went straight to the moon. Ah, there's not yeah. even a curve in my okay. graph. It's mine literally seems, like a right angle. Yeah, mine seems conservative now, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, and that's usually the case. But you know, so what are we talking about with hockey sticks and right angles and stuff like that? It's your growth trajectory, and that's really where. I mean, when it comes to the overall uh, why your plan's wrong is usually, you know, and we've talked about this before, is you enter a business and start a business and it's so exciting. It's, it's, I mean, it's one of the, the, for me, I look back at some of the most fun that I've had professionally doing a lot of different things, but that, that level of optimism and hope isn't, isn't necessarily realistic. And it often leads to unrealistic projections which really kind of throw a wrench in everything or, or you know, put, create problems down the road, meaning those, those problems with unrealistic projections is if your plan relies on that growth and it doesn't occur or it's unrealistic in its time frame and its volume or anything, now all of a sudden there's like 10 other things that were dependent on those numbers that are now also not healthy. Yep. Yep. So I don't know, man, it's can I've learned that lesson like five different times. How about you? Well, projections are always wrong. Every time I've ever done any kind of budgeting and projections, it's it's just always wrong. And, and you really have to do a, you know, a sort of what the goal is, kind of a, an upper upper scenario and a lower scenario. And usually you're going to hit that lower scenario. <laughs> Um, yeah, right. I mean, that's just usually the way it works. So, you know, and we're going to, like I said, I got a pretty big list of, of some of the common errors and things that, that go wrong. And once again, you know, like this isn't intended to be Debbie Downer stuff. This is, we want you to think about this and give consideration to it and how it affects your plan. And, you know, overall, one, you know, one thing that COVID taught me was the importance of contingency planning. I mean, that was, it was about a year ago that that started and, you know, we had to create a, 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 about a dozen different scenarios and then four or five of them became real possibilities. And that's an example, in my opinion, of effective planning as opposed to just having one. And you're like, if everything doesn't go perfect here, you're not doing well. So, all right. So back to the, some of the common errors, um, you know, plans often have undefined target markets. And we've talked about this a lot in defining TAM or total addressable market. Cause, and, and I always throw myself under the bus. So when I started Gigabook, I was like, oh my God, anybody could use this. Anybody could use it. And then I sat down to try to sell it. And I was like, oh shit, anybody could use this. And I hadn't adequately defined the target market. Like I'm talking razor sharp. And just if you think you have this giant uh, total addressable market, 
that's probably a weakness and not a strength. I think that means you need to get back to the drawing board and really narrow it down because when you start to market, sell, and promote your stuff, like who are you targeting it to? Like, because you don't have Super Bowl ad money because that's the kind of stuff that's just like a broad range. You know, it's like, hey, anybody <laughs> could use this, but that's really expensive and often not effective. Yeah, and, and this is one of the the biggest things I think is the not knowing who your target audience is and trying to target everybody. It'd be no different than opening in a restaurant and saying, okay, we're going to sell hamburgers, Chinese food, and Mexican food, and vegan food. We're going to service and everybody. Ice and ice cream. And to-go bags of candy. Yeah, like nobody's going to come to your restaurant. Like, no, you pick something to be really good at it. Like, nobody's going to understand, like, why would I go there? That's weird. So you got to you got to define your market to a smaller scope and be really good at it. And I think that that can even be like like hyper targeted. Yes. You know, like right down like who are the three most likely who who are the three businesses, people, buyers, whomever that benefit the most from whatever it is you do whether it's a service or a product that benefit the most and then also I'll give you a little twist and are likely to tell other people about it. Yes. Yep. Yep. Okay. Because that that it leads into the next thing is often our plans. Well, the plan itself is often overhyped. Yeah. Right. Like, and the problem is, is when you're selling a vision, and that vision immediately turns to shit. It's hard to have believers. Yeah. A lot of times, entrepreneurs especially when they're fundraising overhype everything. Like everybody needs this. Everybody's going to buy this. We just need to create this thing. And like people are going to beat down our door. It's the most amazing revolutionary thing that's ever been created in the history of the planet. And then nobody buys it. We have no competition. We have all upside. We'll have this massive market share by six months from now, but we haven't built anything. You know, but the overhyped part and like, so overhyped can go now, look, I, I'm all for hype. I, Matt, you know, I love my hype. Right. And, and I'm a bit of a hype beast myself. Like I love creating it, but you have to be a little careful with it. Cause like I said, if you overhype what you're doing, your plan to your, to your team, to your investors, to your clients, and then you don't deliver, it can really like, it's, it's a house of cards. Things can really begin to fall on you. And look, you need to build something big. You need to have believers. You need to have angels around you that do more than just write checks. And so overhyping certain parts of your plan can, can be a little dangerous. And you know, I like to say, don't sacrifice the long term on the altar of the immediate. I think a lot of founders do that in the fundraising process, and then they find themselves without future support. Yep. Yeah, you overhype right. things, and then nobody believes you anymore. Next on the list, how good is your research? Like, <laughs> Matt, we've talked about this so many times. How many times has someone asked you to be involved, give you advice or invest in their business? And they're like, yeah, and I have like no competition. And then it takes you like two minutes to pr not only prove that wrong, but find a list. Yeah, that happens a lot. And or they don't understand the target market that they're trying to even target. Like they just don't understand the industry or how they buy stuff and how to, how to reach those people. Like 
you got to understand the whole the whole marketplace and the go to market strategy. Like you got to understand every step of it. You can't just be like, I'm going to build this thing and then they're going to come. Like you got to know how to reach them and confirm all of that. Yeah. And just because you have a solution doesn't mean that it has a high level of value for other people. And if you're entering some, you know, we've talked about this as well in the past, but if you're entering, if part of your acquisition and growth strategy is to acquire customers that currently use something else, your product had better be a hell of a lot better than what you're hoping for people to switch away from. Because it's a lot harder to pull users out of other people's platforms than a lot of people think about. You know, they're mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, I'm going to we're going to take all the users away from company X, Y and Z. You better be about three times better or three times cheaper to maybe have a shot at that. Because yeah. if you're only like 50 percent better or even just a little bit, they won't care. I don't have time to mess with it. It ain't worth yep. my effort. So Matt, as you've built multiple successful companies and, you know, Matt doesn't like to say this himself, but, you know, dude sold his first company for 150 million bucks. So Matt, on a lot of days, I just assume that you know what you're talking about, whether you do or not. I just give you the benefit of the doubt there. But as you, you let, so you exit one company and you go to start another one, which of your weaknesses did you ignore? Hmm. I think part of it is understanding your own personal weaknesses too. It's like, what am I good at? Do I need a co-founder to help do this thing? Um, I think understanding those is important. And um, yeah, you, like the example earlier about overhyping, like you don't want to have a team that overhypes everything, but doesn't know how to actually build the real solution. Like you, you've got to have the the right team. Yeah, for me, it's, uh, it's focus. You know, like, and I've trimmed that down a lot, you know, but, you know, 10 years, you 10 different things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you talk about the backpack and if you want to get to the top of the mountain, the more shit you throw in that backpack, the more you got to carry up to the top. And yep. I mean, it's not that I'm afraid to do, and I'll say that to my wife, I'll say, you know, say I, I'm not wanting to do new things. She's like, well, what about start a puzzle TV? Well, that's, that's in alignment. That's part of our marketing plan and some of the other things we do. It's not like I went and started another startup you know, or created another entity or needed to go out and raise funds for stuff. And, you know, like, so really narrowed that down. And that's actually something at full scale that we've done. You know, we even narrow your plan should, in, should continue to narrow the focus of what you do and be focal on the things that make the most money. Like if I'll give you an example. So at full scale, when the pandemic hit, uh, we really took a look at what kind of tech services we provided and we, we got rid of a few of them. Uh, meaning like, well, a great example is we are no longer seeking new clients that need Salesforce developers. Why? Because we're having a hard time finding clients for it and also finding developers. So just don't focus on it, like eliminate it. And, you know, certain things that, it, you know, but, I mean, if you're focused on the wrong stuff in your plan or just in general, so it's easy to write a plan. It's the, the writing the plans, the easy part. Well, I think you have two things there. You, you have being focused on the wrong stuff or be fo being focused on too many things, right? It's, it's both. And, and it comes back a little bit to your example. You always talk about the, the guy who's opening a restaurant and he spends all his time, you know, polishing the floor and never opens a restaurant. And in, in part of your, 
your business plan, you got to think about the, the things to spend all of your energy and focus on, like go to market strategy, how to attract customers, all that stuff, not be focusing on other crazy things. So it, it, you got to focus on one thing at a time and focus on the things that matter and, and people easily get sidetracked. Yeah. And, you know, there was a, a quote from a, you know, kind of a self-help business guru, Brian Tracy, that, uh, you know, I, I've carried with me for years and he, he likes to say, be brilliant on the basics. And if you have a new business, especially a, you know, a new tech company, be brilliant on the basics. And I've recently used the example of comparing Gigabook to Calendly. So when I remember when Calendly came out and we sat there and we were like, yep. we were kind of making fun of them. We were like, they only do one thing. And now I look back at it and I'm like, holy shit, they only do one thing and they do it well. Yep. And I don't mind saying that because I mean, it's, it's a $3 billion company and we were focused on doing, trying to build 10 things. And honestly, we weren't aces at any one of them for that reason. And that's the example of, of, of you know, afraid focus and things that you need to pay attention to. And that comes... It, that's more outside that exists than more than just outside your plan. Cause that focus can be personal, professional, and physical, you know, cause like, you know, shit happens. Like you and I have both gone through a divorce at any point. What were you a hundred percent focused on your business during that? Cause I wasn't. No, Nope. It's impossible. It was very distracting. And if you have physical issues, like you're ill or something else occurs, or maybe you have some bad lifestyle habits, like, I mean, do you ever go out and get shit faced and then you wake up and jump out of bed at 8 a.m. the next day and like, yeah, let's get after it. No, that doesn't happen. And that's an example of pulling focus away from the things that matter. And by the way, when I mentioned that, is that a giant box of fireball behind you? It is. Yeah, it is. Okay. And yeah, we can show that to the live stream. Yeah, there you this go. episode of Startup Hustle is not brought to you by Fireball Liquor. But if you work with or around Fireball, we would love to hear your support. Uh, today's episode of Startup Hustle is, however, brought to you by Fullscale.io and Startup Hustle TV. I'm having fun with the TV show. Are you? Yeah, it is. It's fun. The last episode I watched about content creation was really good. Uh, everybody yeah. on the show did a really good job. It was it was awesome. We're, we're getting better at it. So if you didn't hear the news, we started our own TV show. It's a it's a it's a show about startups, and the show is a startup because we had we had basically no idea. We had we've had to pivot about ten times, but we're constantly reviewing the plan and we're constantly doing things to get better at it. And that's why the episodes have gotten better. So get come check it out. It's been a lot of fun, man. Um, and it's also gotten easier because we have continued to refine the plan. We're getting rid of the things that we don't want to do. I have one other thing about focused on wrong stuff. So, you know, recently I eliminated about 70% of the marketing activities we were doing at full scale. Why? We weren't getting engagement. So what's the point? Yep. Right. Like, yep. Why spend time, effort and energy doing things that no one's paying attention to? So instead, we went back and we looked at what are people paying attention to our blog, our podcast and start a puzzle TV. So we have began we began to focus on those things and realign those resources and help around that rather than creating a bunch of shit for social media that no one pays attention to or cares about. 
that's an example of refocusing. And I think you have to do this a lot, Matt. Like always ask yourself, like, is right now the, what I'm doing right now, the best use of my time? Yes, it is. It is. This is the best yes. use of your time. Yep. I did. You know, I wrote a book on this. You can bounce me the realist guide to successful life. Check it out. That whole, the whole premise of that entire book is what is the value of what you're doing right now? Like, does it move you towards a goal? And those need to be personal, professional, physical. I even have a scoring system, all of it. You can go, you can find it. All right. We, you know, you were talking earlier about, you know, plans often having a, they don't have a go to market strategy. They have, Hey, this is what we're going to build. And this is how, these are the features and they never focus on the fucking benefits, but really what matters is how are you going to get it out there? What's your plan for getting people to embrace it, love it, use it, talk about it? Well, and you and I went through this a few months ago about the internal tool we built at full scale. We called rocks, right? We're like, Hey, we could sell, we could potentially, we could raise money and like sell rocks to other companies. Like it's a really cool thing we built. And then we're like, who exactly would use this? Who is our target audience? And then like, I don't know how to, how do we reach those people? Like, you know, you have to think through all of those steps before you really have a full business plan. And instead of saying, okay, yeah, let's go sell this thing. But we don't even know to who exactly or how to reach them. Right. Like you got to have all of, all of that as part of the real plan. And some of that was a focus thing too. Like yeah. talking about it, like what should we be focused on? And this was in the midst of a pandemic. So what Matt's talking about is at full scale, we have created a whole company management system that has multiple environments. It has administration and management. It has an environment for our employees uh, where they can go and do a whole lot of stuff, including time clocks, reporting, all that. Clients can go look at the their team members' time clock reports and daily reports, and they can look for new uh, resources. We've even built a partner program, a whole lot of stuff in there. And honestly, it's very marketable because right now, a platform that helps you manage your remote development team, I got to think that there's a lot of people that would have used that. But at the time, and this was July of last year, we were just trying to get through a freaking pandemic. Now, we focused on that and narrowed our focus. And that's all like, that's as the CEO of Fullscale, that's all I've been trying to do for the last six months. That's right, people, six months. It literally can, the bigger your company gets, the harder it is to change the direction. So we have 200 employees. It yep. takes a while to roll shit out. So sometimes you got to get started early. But in the case of the go-to-market strategy, it was just, it was, there was just too much. Like it would have distracted our focus from what the business was designed to do, which was sell tech services and help people build teams of developers quickly and affordably. So, okay. Now, Matt, people in general are just inconsistent. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Does, could, could that have an effect on the execution of your plan? Well, it, it, you know, it's the execution being inconsistent is definitely a problem, right? Like we fire lots of vendors and people that provide services to us all the time, right? If they're inconsistent, like the people that come to clean my house, like if they don't show up or they do a shitty job or whatever, right? Like psh, they'd be out of here. Um, but how does this relate to a planning, how, you know, inconsistent planning? Well, so I think you need to assume that your employees, your team, and all of it are going to have levels of inconsistency, which are going to affect the execution of the plan. Because, 
I mean, just like Murphy's law, like shit happens, you know, like, I mean, someone gets in a car wreck or they, God forbid, they have like an, a sick child or they go through a personal problem or things happen, you know, like, I mean, dude, it could be anything like you could like, there could be a flood and your office gets wiped out, you know, like, I'm just saying like, there's, there's things that can't be determined, but overall, people are generally inconsistent. So they're going to have good weeks. They're going to have bad weeks. You look at longer spans, like, you know, and, and so that inconsistency, in my opinion, can have a big effect on the plan. So you have to have some variance in there. You know, I, I was mentioned earlier, the book Balance Me. One of the very first interviews I did was with Joel Cummins from Umphreys McGee. And they're a rock band and they have like, and he said one thing to me, he said, you know, when I was talking to him and interviewing him for the book, and this was years ago, he said, the thing that I've learned from being a touring artist and doing everything is that you absolutely have to not schedule things too tight because there's an inconsistent nature to the way that things occur. And what is if one thing runs a little long and it's not consistent or short or whatever, it throws the whole rest of the day yeah. and everything off. So if your plan is like super snug and tight where one thing being five minutes behind, well, that's going to make eight other things five minutes behind, which could have a pretty big impact on what you're doing. And in their case, they're going to have thousands of people standing in front of or sitting in front of a stage and they get restless in a hurry if you're not ready to go on. And yep. also like just moving your shit from town to town and whatever. So, you know, put little padding and, and buffers in there that help your plan not fail because it wasn't seamless. And dude, you have a 0% chance of being efficient at any of it in the first couple passes. Anyway, like we were just talking about startup hustle TV. Like we're so much better at it now than we were in December. Yeah. Like, yep. Dude, like light years because we did it. We just yep. did. It. We had to do it. And like, and also be selfless. Like, so I work on some of that and uh, our video editor, Johnny, he had a kid. He was out for three weeks. I did a lot of the editing because sometimes you have to step in and do that. Now, if I hadn't have done that, it would have, it would have really thrown off the plan, but I created enough coverage. Now we're ahead. I can step back out and I can go do other things. So as, if you're the CEO and the founder, you have to be that wild card sometimes. Like Matt, aren't you the chief bottle washer at Stackify? Yep. And cook. And, I, and janitor. Yep. And I take out the trash. I can fix your broken computer. Can you? Yeah. Nice. Nice. Okay. So we, we, we mentioned that, uh, remember the part where we tell our guests to turn off noisy things? Yes. Yeah. Matt's bad at that. For those of you listening, I just wanted to point out that was him and not me because you know, I actually had my phone ring during a recording the other day and I wanted to punch myself in the face because I've had 550 episodes to learn that. Um, so, you know, next on this list though, is look, is, is still uh, in the, in the vein of inconsistency. If your plan is reliant on people, then it's really wrong for the well, same reason we just mentioned. And sometimes it's about finding the right ones more so than relying on the ones you have. Well, and I think there's a few ways to look at that, right? It's It could be reliant on a, a business uh, partnership as well. Like every, you know, our entire business plan is related on this other company selling our stuff, right? Or on a person like, oh, my buddy is supposed to 
wants to do so much of this stuff, these connections and the people he knows, and he's our salesperson and he knows the industry and all this stuff. And then if he flakes out, you're toast, right? So th those reliances are, can, can really be a problem for you. And, and we had this happen at Venn Solutions. We thought we had a, a partner, a partnership with another company that was going to sell our software. We sit around for a year and it didn't go anywhere. So if that was part of our business plan, it was definitely went to crap. We alluded to this earlier, but that the timelines, your timelines are too aggressive in your plan. Like, I mean, and that's, that's, so what you just, that example you just mentioned that threw off your whole growth timeline then, right? Oh yeah. For a year. And then that cost you more money because you weren't making money and you now look, all you can do is all you can do. So you spent your time and energy focusing on that. We did that at Gigabook too. We had, uh, I, I'm, I can't remember. It was one of the online clothing places that like set you up with an appointment to talk to a stylist. They send you clothes, you pick what you want, you send the other ones back. Uh, we had an opportunity to do business with one of them, which I will not name. And we dedicated all of our time and energy in two months of that. And it didn't go anywhere. And not only was it, we not only did we build a bunch of shit we didn't need to build, we didn't build a, a bunch of other stuff we should have been building. So that just ended up being a wash. And yep. I mean, not even a wash, a loss, like that's red. And that was not only did we spend money on that, we didn't make progress somewhere else, which is a double loss. So it's not, you know, like the opportunity cost is defined as the value of the foregone option, like what you didn't choose. And I think that having a strong understanding of opportunity cost and that concept and being able to calculate it quickly is an important plan of, is an important part of making your plan actually be effective. Well, and the, the problem with plans, if you're trying to raise capital too, or have raised capital, I always say it's like you're playing a game of chicken, right? You're like, I've got to take this money. I've got to spend it. I've got to prove this. And then three months from now, we're going to raise this additional money. But if you don't prove what you were supposed to prove, or you don't build the product and you don't hit those milestones, you hit that brick wall and you didn't give yourself enough time, um, which gets into our, our next item in the list about having mar a margin for error, right? Like, Yep. Things are not going to go the way that you plan and your, your, your business plan is going to fail because you didn't, you, you talked about this earlier, like every, everything is so tight. Like you got to do this perfectly and do this thing perfectly and do this thing perfectly. we really almost have to have a plan of like, we're going to screw everything up and nobody's going to buy our software. How do we still exist? <laughs> right. 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 Well, and that's, you know, and I, I'm going to combine list items here, but that relying on too many assumptions is, is deadly. Because like you yeah. mentioned, so, I mean, in that, okay, they, if you take the word assume, you can make an ass of you and me with those letters, which I didn't invent that saying that's been out for a while, but assumptions are very risky, especially in early stage businesses. And we've seen this a lot with people we know and that we've talked to is they're assuming that they're going to raise capital later. Well, that's that game of chicken you're talking about. They're assuming that they're going to get X number of users, X this, X that. And, you know, the thing is, is, is too many, the more assumptions you stack on top of other assumptions, well, you're building a house of cards again. And that's, um, you know, you have to make some assumptions or, or hopes, but if you have, if your plan is built, if it's relying, like, what are you, like, what assumptions are you relying on? Because 
that gets back to shaping your focus. Okay. That's what you should be focused on. You know, not doing something that doesn't freaking matter. All right. All right. So since we're talking about focus and assumptions, like, and I, I don't think I can ever say this enough because I hope that the listeners out there just really, really, really let this sink in. Focus on the benefits of your product and your service. We said that earlier in the episode. I say, I say it all the time. That's what people buy and that's what people want. And if you're doing things that aren't, well, if you're not hyping them, if you're not explaining them, if you're not selling the benefits, and if you're not building things that are directly related to the benefits, you're doing the wrong shit. Focus on the wrong stuff. It's like like what I told you one day, right? Super Mario uh, doesn't want flowers. He wants to throw fireballs. He wants fireballs. He He wants wants fireballs. fireballs. He doesn't give a shit about the flower. He wants to throw fireballs. Yep. That's so true. Okay. Oh, shit, Matt. I love oh, shit. All right. So when I write a business plan, and I've done them for other people, and they're always like, what is this? I literally put a line in the projections with that's labeled, oh shit, O-H space shit. People are like, what is this? I'm like, that's your oh shit budget. And they're like, what is that? I'm like, oh shit, we didn't think about needing this. Oh shit, we didn't think this would go wrong. Oh shit, whatever, right? And depending on the business or whatever I'm planning for, I either make it a set amount or a, or a percentage of the existing or future revenue assumption. Because, oh shit, is that margin of error. It's, it's, that, it's, a, it's a little bit of padding to bring your shit back down to earth. And, oh Matt, how often do you have oh shits? All the time. It's just part of, part of it you know i mean no shit doesn't go away and it should be it's it's a miscellaneous item whatever you want to call it but and then i've had people that are like well i don't think i need that i'm like okay because you just said that means you probably should double whatever i put in there i mean it's no it's no different than owning a home and stuff randomly breaks and you're like oh shit i didn't have the money to fix the roof or whatever it's no different Oh, they say you can be house poor. You can be business poor too. So, okay. All right. Now, what about paying yourself too much? I think this is a huge problem. And uh, most entrepreneurs have to accept the fact that if they're going to start their own business, they're not going to make near as much money in their cushy job they had in the corporate world. And, um, you know, if you think you're going to make, you know, 200 grand a year working for some startup, uh, and in some sense, maybe going and raising capital, partly just to pay your crazy salary. Like, it's just that plan. Work. It's a big, it's a big turnoff for investors. Um, if like, you know, it depends on who you are and what you've done. But if you're, if you're Johnny or Jane startup founder, and you're not a proven entity, and you haven't done a bunch of stuff in the past don't start don't start your plan don't put yourself as making 10 grand a month in your plan you know like because investors don't want to just put money in to know that you're gonna be living a fat life now look i i am a big proponent of paying yourself at your business i'm not saying you shouldn't but also think about when and how and 
you know, there's a lot of ways talk to your accountant and, and different people about how you can maximize that. Cause there's ways you can pay yourself that have, well, it's also the timing of it, you know, like, so there's a lot to, lot to be said there, but you can drain your own coffers for the wrong reason and create taxable income for yourself and your business just by putting money in and then taking it right back out. There's ways to be smart about that. I, and I, I have an important question for you. I was going to ask you before the show, like, do you want to go to Vegas with me for the weekend? And maybe we can expense the jet, you know, whatever. We'll expense the jet fuel. Yes, I do. Is that okay? Yeah, in this All case, because right. we're going to do real business out there, right? We have a client <laughs> in Vegas, a big one, a big one. So, yeah. Um, but, no, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about is like, no. I mean, in some cases, you got to be careful, too, like, because some people start to expense everything. Oh, and yeah. that can also get scrutinized okay. and, you know, like, you know, your, your business can, should be taking care of the business side of things, you know, and yeah, I, I mean, full scale owns my computer. Okay. That's what I use it for work. I'm not just like sitting there playing video games all long, not all day, just about half a day. But yeah, there's, I mean, so some of it, like I said, you can drain your own bank account. You can all, now Look, the idea of, of creating your own business for most is financial independence. And that'll come if you do it right. But don't kill the golden goose on the way to it. All right. Last on the list before we begin to wrap up is just, I think, overall, inexperience with the real costs of doing business. Yeah, and I, I hit a little bit of this when I started Stackify. I always remember I... We were building a product and I was thinking about, I needed some help for marketing and I had somebody come in that owned like a marketing agency and they gave me a bid and I think it was like $10,000 or something. And I just thought that was insane. I'm like, oh my God, this is just absolutely crazy. And uh, now looking back, I'm like, that doesn't seem so crazy now. But when you just don't have experience with it, you just don't know. Yeah. And that's, the, and all right, I'll give you another one. So you, and this is directly plan related. Um, a lot of people that don't have experience don't understand or know that when you have employees, you have to pay extra taxes on those employees based on the taxes they pay. And there's what is often, and I think appropriately called a burden rate that is just taxes and benefits and different things that you like and i always aim high so i always take 20 percent of whatever we're paying someone and then i, I that 20 percent yeah. goes on top and that's the burden that the business has of paying all the other crap now it, it it's usually lower than that but i like to overestimate and be in a comfortable range with that and that's so, you know, here's the thing is if your plan was tight and all of a sudden you realize your payroll expense or your labor expense is now 11% more than you thought it was, that might pull a couple months off your runway. That might slow things down for you. And it also might make things a lot more difficult for you. So, you know, that's one of the most common ones. And then other things too is, you know, you just, like I said, it, it, like we said at the beginning, what you don't know, you don't know. And yeah, another those are the real costs. Another perfect example of this is you're like, yeah, I want to build some mobile app to do whatever. And you're like, how much does it cost to hire somebody to do that? And you're like, well, I found a mobile app developer and he wants $150 an hour. And you're like, okay, here you go. Welcome, welcome to what it costs to build software, right? Like, you're like, okay, never mind. I can't afford to build this app. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, software is expensive. An, I'll, 
Well, I'll give you an example. So we have a bunch of employees in the Philippines and we pay thousands. And as that grew bigger, um, so did our exchange rate fees to just yes. send money over. And, you know, like yes. that was something that you just helped us address and finding cheaper options for that. But, you know, the thing and some of these things that as you scale, they start, OK, like we pay a couple grand a month for Slack because <laughs> we've got 200 people on it, you know, and just yeah. the, and now that can scale up with your plan, but you have to add that stuff in because if you don't and you don't understand that cost and, 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 you know, how that grows and now all of a sudden you're showing your company, that's another thing with like, okay, if you, if your revenue and everything's going up, you should make your assumptions and your projections should assume that you're going to need more help to manage it. And that's where people are flogged because, you know, the plan's tight and all of a sudden you're like, holy man, we really need to get someone to manage all the support. But you only had developers in the budget. Yeah, it's like at Event Solutions, you know, we were big users of Salesforce. And you get to a point where it's like, yeah, we had to hire four people just to manage Salesforce. <laughs> right? It's like, yeah. holy shit. Right. <laughs> and then Salesforce is pretty expensive on top yeah. of that. So you're like, wow, wow. So uh, I meant, I mentioned these before, but you know, we had, I did a poll in the startup hustle chat and asked our users, if you want to join our chat group, there's a couple thousand people in there. It's active and non-spammy. Um, so how much of your original business plan was accurate? Uh, uh, 28 votes for one to 33%. Uh, one in a landslide. It had twice as many votes as the people that said 71 to 90% of their plan was correct. 11 votes for the 34 to 70 range, two votes for 0% of the plan being wrong and zero, literally no one said that 90% or more of their business original plan was correct. The people have spoken. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. True. So founders freestyle time, Matt. And once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. Let us help you build a software team quickly and affordably. We are doing business with dozens of tech companies. We have a lot of senior people, a lot of awesome stuff, and we have figured out how to help you make your plan a little more effective and affordable because we have not only done it for ourselves, we have done it with and for a lot of other people. All right. Founder freestyle, Matt. When it comes to your plans, wrong. What's the, What are your takeaways? What's your What's your uh, What's your big uppercut of a punch here, Mike Tyson? I think it all comes back to one of the first things we talked about in the episode. You don't know what you don't know, right? And so, literally, every every part of your plan of, of starting a new business as an entrepreneur is a lot of assumptions, and and you just don't know how to run a business, how to hire people, how to do marketing, how to do legal stuff, like all these different things. You just don't know what you don't know. And my recommendation for people is to find a co-founder who knows, find mentors that know, find friends that know, surround yourself with people that can help you, help you, you know, not make as many of these mistakes and bring something to the table. Like you don't know what you don't know. So get some people involved that do know. I'm going with timelines. Like, I think overall, when it comes to where, when and why your plan's wrong, I think it, I think it's timelines. Cause when that timeline and the status of it goes minus, meaning like you're behind, it just throws everything else off. It ruins your financial projections. It just, it messes everything up. Like if yep. the timeline, when the timeline is grossly out of whack, 
it, it just, I mean, every, the rest of the plan just becomes futile, you know? So, I mean, think about it. Would you rather plan to have things go slow and be realistic? And then, and then if it goes better than plan, you're like, oh, we're actually ahead. It was like our sales projections at full scale this year. Like we made them realistic, still optimistic. And now we're about three months ahead on them. So we're like, oh, great. We're ahead of the curve rather than assuming like, hey, we're going to have to hire 500 new people a month and do a whole lot of different stuff. So like, I think realism trumps optimism, but both are still important. You know, it's, it's normal for any company to have a bad month or a bad quarter, right? But if your plan has everything perfect, like it's, you have to account for that bad month. It's going to happen. I got, I got, I got one, uh, one thing I want to add on to the end of our episodes, and that's a little uh, startup hustle TV review. Um, what overall? So we've at the time of this recording, we've published about ten episodes, and you can find that on YouTube. Uh, what's been What's been one of your favorite moments of the show so far? Um, I really like the music that we're using. I think the music is great, by the way. <laughs> Um, that's a compliment, by the way, when people tell you that they love the music the most of all out of your web series, yeah. <laughs> and thank, but, but say thank you because that's been by my design. I actually spend a fair amount of time finding the music. So I'm, I'm going to go with the music. I like the music. For, I've enjoyed watching Eric Perkins work like and that's our home builder cast member yeah. and also i've i and for me on a behind the scenes thing i've enjoyed getting to know some of these people that we didn't know that well you know we knew all of them including our co fellow co-hosts lauren and andrew here on the podcast and um i think i've really when episode 6.0 came out i was that episode wasn't intended to be to turn into me mentoring the cast it just kind of occurred that way but I love the fact that they were all finding huge amounts of value out of being on the show. And uh, that's for me, that's been, been one of the highlights so far. And then the most important one is watching you do perform feats of athleticism uh, on a world-class level. I wasn't going to mention it, but yeah, it's, it's impressive. If you want to watch Watson, it's amazing. Like you're almost 40, bro. Like how you have your verticals, like at least four or five inches. By the way, are, are we uh, fueling up the jet tonight? Are we really going to Vegas? Yeah, yeah. All so right. I got to go. I got to get ready. I'll see you next time. See ya. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. <laughs>